One of the more troubling questions we find ourselves as business owners asking is, why don't they get safety, risk, or liability concerns? In almost all cases, effectively addressing our biggest risks, safety and otherwise, is absolutely critical to the company surviving, let alone growing and thriving. One major blunder could bring the whole thing down. So why don't our employees prioritize them the same way we do, or we wish they would? Tune in to find out. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So almost all of us have a handful of major risks and wonder, why don't they get it? Why are they so careless? What would it take for them to to really take this seriously? How could they not recognize that they are putting all of us, and in some cases their own career, in serious jeopardy by taking such risky actions? Why are they putting me in a situation where I have to be the heavy all the time? And for most of us, our employee safety is the paramount concern and priority. I remember asking myself numerous times things like, why don't the employees treat safety the same way I would like them to? It's their health we're trying to protect. It's them who could lose a limb or their vision or even their life in some cases. And I would talk about the number of fatalities resulting from people in our industry cutting safety corners every year. I'd read statistics from national publications or regional stories in the news that would come up that were directly applicable to our industry and and serious injuries or deaths would happen. I would talk about the number of people who lost an eye by improperly using grinders and other hand tools that were directly, again, related to our industry. I would talk about how devastated their family would be if they got that phone call telling them their husband, father, or son had died in a work-related accident. I would talk about how difficult their life would be if they were responsible for a coworker getting killed on a job because they were careless or cut a corner. And yet, in many cases, at least in my case, they didn't believe me. They truly didn't think it would happen to them. They truly didn't weigh the consequences before they took action every day. They didn't contextualize that following safety protocols uh, protocols was an action they should take rather than safety being a passive thing that should just happen on its own. And as a result, our safety record was taking some serious hits. You guys have heard me talk about this before. So what turned it around? Well, there's four things I'm going to talk about today that I have seen make a noticeable difference, both personally in my own experience as a business owner and with others I work with. Now, I'm not saying that these are the only four. There are certainly other ones, but you've, you've heard me talk about other things before, so I'm not going to kind of dwell on the same things over and over again. But here are four that I know when I made these specific changes, uh, behaviors changed, and they are um, now having experience working with other business owners. There are... Um, these are things that are clearly standing out as um, things that we're struggling with. Let's put it that way. So uh, the first thing is I would really recommend when it comes to these high risk, high liability, uh, safety concerns, again, safety for some industries is a big thing. 
it's not so much for other. If you're an accounting firm, safety is probably not your number one thing. You probably have other big risks, but we all have these big risks. And one of the things I see is we we default to talking in very condensed, soft, nonspecific, and oftentimes meaningless language. So we kind of speak softly because we the old adage, you know, you you, you collect or you, you you get more flies with honey than vinegar. And I get that. But sometimes by softening the language and not wanting to come across in a harsh way or or too direct or putting people on the spot and things like that, we we end up muddying or diluting the real actions we most want so much that they're they're not really recognizable. They don't they don't resonate. They don't they don't contextualize. They being the employees listening, they don't contextualize that what I'm talking about means this specific action. It just means actions in general, which really don't mean anything. So one of the things I recommend is take whatever liability, risk, uh, again, safety concern, whatever it is, and make it and make the way you describe it an actionable verb. So for instance, I don't ever use the word safety anymore. I just don't. Unless I'm reading something, unless I'm quoting a, uh, an OSHA kind of thing, I don't, I don't use the word safety. I talk about accident prevention. Because what the heck does being safe mean? If I told somebody to bit, sit there and be safe, well, what does that mean? But if I say sit there and prevent accidents, we kind of get it. And I know it's a silly example, but but just changing this from a, a nebulous noun, this thing that just kind of exists, to I'm taking a specific action here completely changes the context of the conversation. So I, I think about, you know, or think about when you were younger and you're a teenager leaving the house and your mom would say on the way out the door, okay, be safe. How much did you pay attention to that? Probably not a lot. You probably nodded and smiled the same way your employees do when you're talking to them right now. But if she said, don't be late or don't do anything dumb that's going to get you in trouble, you probably kept that a little more top of mind because it had more meaning. Like don't be late is a very specific thing. Don't do that. And if you did, your, your, your butt was on the line, right? So rather than speaking of something like data protection or information security, if that's a big thing for you, again, if you're an accounting firm, that would probably be a bigger thing, a bigger thing than safety, maintaining your customer's information so it doesn't get out, big deal, huge risk there. So rather than talking about data protection or information security, I might say something like actively protect client information or prevent potential data exposure or Guard against confidentiality breaches. And, and you may not like any of those. That's fine. But they're all specific and they're all verbs. They're all actions. They're not a passive thing. Data protection could be a noun or a verb. It could mean something you take action with or something that just happens or a thing that you're describing. It's too nebulous. It's too general. It doesn't have any meaning in a direct, uh, specific, applicable way. Now, you could argue they should know what I mean. And I get that. But... If you're having a challenge getting compliance on some of these things, here are the things, again, that I've seen make a big difference. This is one of them. The way we use language and stopping talking and not talking about things that are in a passive way, in an action-oriented way, may, has made a huge difference in my experience. Uh, so, again, it, it, like if we're talking about like reputation, in many industries, maybe all industries, reputation is a massive risk. Like You, you can't get that back overnight if you lose it. You, you absolutely, you, you lose something on your reputation. If you ever get it back, it could take months or years. So instead of saying something like, we need to think about how this is going to impact our reputation, or we need to think about how important our reputation is, I would say something like, we need to actively avoid reputational harm. 
if reputation is a big enough deal in your industry for your company that this is one of your top one, two, or three risks or liabilities, I would speak to it that way. We need to actively avoid reputational harm. This is one of the most important things for our company. This is the biggest liability we face. Nothing is more important than this. We need to actively avoid reputational harm. That's a whole different thing than we need to think about how important our reputation is. So the more generic and soft our language, in my opinion, the less likely our words are going to resonate with them. And if our words do not resonate, they're not going to take action, period. So that's the first thing is, is using specific verb action oriented language. Uh, the second thing is, and this is maybe, maybe I should have started with this one because this is, this is maybe um, the most common. This is maybe the thing that made the biggest impact for me personally as well. And that is identifying and finding out they really know what the liability risk and safety concerns are and how important they are. Now, preface this here. I'm not asking if you've mentioned it. I'm not asking if you've mentioned it a few times. I'm not asking if you've trained them every single meeting you have. I'm not asking if you've talked about it until you're blue in the face. I'm not even asking if you had to fire somebody because they were not taking it seriously enough to protect you and your company. I'm asking if your employees know the liabilities, risks, and safety concerns and how important they are. So if I, Brian Harding, called your employees today, called your top three employees today and asked them to name the most critical things they should do, would they even mention the risks, safety concerns, or liabilities that keep you up at night? Now, note the question here. I did not say if I called and asked, what are the top most critical safety things you should do or the most uh, things you should do, the, the most critical things they do re revolving around safety or risk or liability? That was not the question. If I call the employees today and, say, and ask them to name the most critical things they do, would they even mention the risk or safety concerns or liabilities? Or would they, like most employees would, tell me the most important things they do are related to their craft or trade, maybe sales, and perhaps customer service. Now, I'm not saying that things like providing solid workmanship and quality and, and customer service and all those things and, and being able to generate great sales aren't important. Of course they are. But what I'm wondering is if without any prompting from you as a business owner or a supervisor or their manager or from me on the phone call, do they understand at their core and is it top of mind for them that one of the most important things they do is avoiding accidents, for example, or actively protecting client data? Would that be their answer if I didn't cue them or you didn't cue them by saying risk, liability, safety, whatever? In general, do they recognize this is one of the most important things they do, perhaps equal or greater to the craftsmanship or workmanship or, or whatever it is that has to do with their, their tasks that they do? In almost all cases, when I ask business owners this question, the response is generally one of two things. They flat out acknowledge it's unlikely the employees would mention their top risks or liabilities if I were to call and ask that question. Or they're uncertain if the employees would think to name it as one of the most important things they do. So, of course, my response is something like, well, if they don't know that avoiding this risk or these risks is one of the most important things they're responsible for, how could they possibly be taking it seriously as you would like them to? And you can hear me talk more about this in episode 27 of this podcast, where I talk about what I call primary functions. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's one of the things that I think um, made the most dramatic turnaround in my, in my entire history of, of leading people was identifying these primary functions. So I really recommend you listen to that if you haven't yet. Um, 
yeah, and, and it just talks about like the, the short list of like the most important things we do. So I'm not gonna get into that completely, but but here's the here's the point is if you have a, a fleet of vehicles, you know, let's say you have 20 vehicles in your fleet, there's no question that you're probably your biggest liability is that rolling fleet every day. That there's no question that, that your biggest risk is having an accident or multiple accidents every week or month or whatever it is. And you'll stand in there and we'll talk about safety, 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 and, and driving, driving, driving. But then if you if I were to call the employee and say, what's that, what's the top five, four or five things, most important things you do? If they don't say preventing vehicle accidents, they're not getting it. So that's why my question is not how often have we mentioned it? How often have we yelled about it? How often have we threatened about it? My question is, do they know it? That is a huge, huge difference. And once they know it, it changes the context. And once they identify, this is one of the most important things I do. This is, this is truly um, a way I should measure my performance. It's how I do in this. That changes the context. So if you have that board on your wall in your, in, in your employee break room or somewhere in the office tracking how many days the company's gone without a time loss accident, now it's, it's, it's tracking it differently. Um, it's tracking this most important thing we do as a company. It's tracking this, this, this way of identifying our performance as it relates to addressing this big risk or liability versus tracking, tracking this legally required hot button, the thing the boss won't shut up about. It completely changes the context. If they truly understand this is one of the most important things I do is addressing this risk. If they can't say that without help, they're just, they don't get it. And we just have to keep going. We have to keep drilling and educating. So, and how this would apply, um, uh, and the, or this would apply to however many different significant risks your company has. I think there's a direct relationship between how fluent employees are in discussing risks without any prompting or help from anyone else again, and how likely they are to work in a way that will actively avoid those risks. So if they are not able to fluently without help discuss them, say what they are, say why it matters, I just don't think it's very likely they're going to be working actively every day in a way to avoid them. I just don't believe that. So if you have three main risks, I would be drilling, educating, and training on those until every employee could at the drop of a hat and without any help name them and why they matter instantly. So I used to kind of do it a quiz, especially with newer people, because I wanted to find out how quickly this was, was permeating our culture, especially when we had some real significant issues that were causing insurance problems. I would, two weeks after we had an employee on board, I would ask him, what's the top most important things we do? And if they didn't say the safety things or the accident prevention things I wanted them to, I would go talk to the person they're, they're training with. Like, hey, what's going on here? It's been two weeks. How do they not know this? That became part of, of identifying for me how top of mind this was. I would literally just point to people in the office as hogging down the hallway. Hey, what's the most important things we do? And it became a joke, but they were so fluent in it, it changed their behavior dramatically. It wasn't a joke in that we didn't take it serious. It was a joke in that, they would they would know I was going to do this, and they were prepared though. They 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 rarely was it you know again it had to be a brand new employee for them not to get it. So that's number two. The third thing is, can they explain in their own words using real life situations applicable to their day to day job, specific actions they take or don't take, which specifically address the risk, safety concern, or liability we want them to avoid or prevent. So talking about things with a team of people in a theoretical manner, in my opinion, just does not resonate with them. They're going to think you're talking to somebody else because you're not talking about a specific thing that they can relate to. They can't say, oh yeah, I do that in my job every day. This must apply to me. 
we speak in these general terms and we don't ever get into specifics, they just don't think we're talking to them. So especially early on, when you're having to make significant, if you're having to make significant corrections in behaviors and actions to avoid this, this safety concern or risk or whatever it is, like we're not, we're not doing well at this so far and we need to get better, especially early on, can they give examples of instances where instead of doing what they used to, they now choose a different action or they did yesterday? Like, you know, when you have your weekly or monthly safety meetings, can you give me examples of where you did this instead of that? And if they cannot, then how do we, what would make us think they're changing their behavior? They're probably not. So uh, I used to have very candid conversations with our team about the number of times per day they had to have this conversation with themselves about doing the right thing when nobody was looking. And I'm not talking about like ripping customers off. I'm not talking about taking advantage. I'm talking about where they could cut corners or skip a step to gain speed, but would definitely increase our risk of our, our big liabilities and our big um, accident prevention concerns. And I would talk about this kind of devil on one shoulder, angel on the other conversation that I knew that they were having multiple times a day. You would, you people, especially if they go out in the field where there's no supervision, they have these conversations where I could do this a lot faster. If I cut this corner, if I didn't do this thing, I know I'm supposed to do, I'd be done in a half an hour instead of, you know, two hours. Those conversations happen pretending like they didn't happen or that they shouldn't be happening on a daily basis, many times per day would not have served me. Like pretending like that didn't happen would have, would have been so counterproductive. We openly talked about that stuff. I know you have these conversations. I've been there, guys. I, I know you're having these conversations. I know you have these things where if I cut this corner, yeah, if it goes bad, I'm going to have to pay for it. The boss is going to be pissed. But if it doesn't, I'll save an hour. And those conversations are going to happen. So, And, and by having those conversations and, and having them give instances where, yep, Three months ago, I would have done this way, and I would have cut that corner. I would have got it done faster, and I would have exposed us to this risk. But this time, I chose to do it the, the right way. And that opened up some wonderful conversations. They would talk about how they were consciously changing their behavior and making better choices and how they could see the benefits of not taking that risk. And they, and, and almost how they had, have a, had a different level of pride or, or they felt better by doing so. They felt more professional in some cases, you know, depending on the person. Their, their motivators are different. Different. Um, in some cases, they felt more professional. In some cases, they felt um, relieved because they learned that we weren't um, prioritizing speed and productivity as much as we as they as they thought we were. Like we, they really began to understand. Hey, you really mean this? Like when you say accident prevention is sometimes more important than production and speed and, and revenue. Wait a second, you really mean that? And sometimes those those conversations is what led to that epiphany for them. Was like when I'm saying up in the front of the room in front of, you know, 50 employees saying, tell me, give me specific examples of how you change your behavior since we've been talking about this for 90 days. And they would. And I'd be like, woo, we'd be celebrating that stuff. They, they went, wait a second. They, they really mean this. <laughs> they let, you know, my point is that led to some really, really good conversations. So, um, and the, uh, the next one is, uh, which again is one of my least popular things that I say. I know that, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it again anyway, is. Can we identify, can we, as the manager or business owner, can we identify what's in it for them to get on board with this? What would change their thinking from, this is a burden or a pain in my butt that I wish I didn't have to hear about again, or this is a thing I have to do, or I have to avoid making eye contact when the boss is yelling about this, or the boss is going to chew me out if I screw this up. What would change their thinking from those kinds of thoughts to, I want to do this. I want to get this right. Part of me assessing my own overall competence in my field is how well I perform at this. 
And I know for many, again, this is not a popular thing for me to say. It feels so much better just to say or think they should just care enough about this risk or liability that I shouldn't have to talk to them. I shouldn't have to talk to them about it as often as I do. I shouldn't have to talk them into it. Why should I have to come up with what's in it for them? And I get that. And if you're taking that approach and you're getting the level of compliance or buy-in you want, then great. You can probably keep doing what you're doing. Today, I'm speaking to those who are not getting the level of compliance or buy-in they want. And if that approach is the one you've been taking and it's not working, I'll just tell you, I used to be that guy. I get it. My experience has been, though, that it's much easier to help employees connect the dots on what's in it for them to want to do this and then let them make decisions based on wanting to be successful at avoiding this risk or actively addressing the safety concern or whatever it is than it is to force them, especially in cases where I'm not likely to be around to see a reaction they take. If they're going out in the field and working in a customer's home or a business or they're out in a shop, you know, 150 feet away from the office and I don't ever see them, it's not reasonable for me to expect that they're going to be thinking about what I think all those moments. The, the percentage of the time they're thinking about what I think is probably less than 1%. Or maybe 5%. It ain't much, though, is my point. And to be clear, I'm not suggesting we stop holding them accountable when they make mistakes or do things that are counter to our safety goals. Of course, we have to continue doing that. I'm just saying that the more they want to do something, the less we will have to make them, which means we're way more likely to be successful. I can rest a little easier at night knowing that this is something we're all wanting to do, not I've got to figure out this newfangled way to force them to do it without sounding like a jerk. So I'm afraid they're going to leave the company because they get pissed at me or they're going to resent me for being mean. I can focus on other things like running the company instead of focusing on this one risk that I'm losing sleep over. So one of the things that our employees had to do was take classes on using shoring, which I've talked about before. Shoring is something that you put in, in trenches to protect employees from cave-ins. And in every single class, the instructor would let me know. I had to deal with the instructor who came in to do the classes. The instructor would text me and say, hey, we got, we're about, about to a break where it's a good time. And I would come down and I'd give my five to 10 minute spiel about our zero tolerance policy. And I, we meant this. We had a zero tolerance policy that was really zero tolerance. It wasn't, it wasn't fluff. It wasn't BS. And failure to follow our policy on shoring use was grounds for immediate termination. If you're found in a trench that needed shoring and there was no shoring there, fired on the spot. There's no appeals. There's no reason. There was no excuses. You follow the policy or you're out immediately. And I still wanted them to follow the policy because of what was in it for them, not just because they might lose their job. I wanted them to follow the policy because they wanted to, not because I was forcing them to, even though I still did those things that would hold them accountable and let them know, we're like, we're not messing around with this. You're going to put the company at risk. You're out. We, you, we can't employ a person who's willing to do that. And I really want you to want to do the right thing here. Because even though I was really serious that they would lose their job if they put themselves or the coworkers or the company at that kind of risk, firing them was not my goal. Avoiding the risk was my goal. The last thing I wanted to do is fire an employee we invested in so heavily or who is now an integral part of the team. I don't want to do that. I want them to do the right thing. And the easiest way for me to get them to do the right thing is connect the dots on why they should want to do the right thing instead of hiding when they don't do the right thing for me and me having to find out and force them to when I'm not even around to see it. Like that, I, I just, I don't think that's a, now looking back, that was a big change. Once I became, once I came to grips with that reality, things just got much easier for me. So how will we, how do we figure out what's in it for them? Well, this is certainly going to vary from industry to industry and company to company. So there's too many variables to get into here today for sure. But here's two suggestions. First, 
get them to a place where their self-evaluation of their performance factors in addressing the safety risk or liability or, con- or whatever the, the, the concern is, you want them to actively prevent. So if actively protecting customer data breaches is something that is important, they should, on without any prompting, when they talk about their performance, you ask them, they should mention this. So when your carpet cleaner, your star carpet cleaner, um, when you ask them to evaluate their performance, again, without any prompting, they would intuitively mention their lack of vehicle accidents or property damage claims as one of the criteria for them being an all-star employee. And if they can't do that, then we're not quite there yet, right? And the second thing is, more, perhaps more importantly, is if we're wanting to know um, how to get them on board with this, how to get them to want to do this, how to, how to figure out what's in it for them, we could just ask them. We could just say, what's in it for you guys to do this? And if they don't have an answer, then we know. If you're standing in front of your 17 employees and you say, what's in it for you guys to not, act, not wreck our vehicles? And they don't have an answer, then you know. And maybe they will have an answer. You never know. They could just say, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> awesome. At least we got a place to start. Um, so before we continue, let me just tell you about, um, I've been mentioning this last couple of weeks. This episode is being released on October 17th. I'm sorry, October 18th, 2022. And our My Works uh, group community is open in open enrollment right now, in open enrollment right now through the end of October. This only happens three times a year. And the next open enrollment period will not be until spring of 2023. So if you want to join other home, auto, and B2B service uh, business owners who understand and have already or are working to overcome the exact challenges you're facing, this is the group for you. You know I only talk about things that I know work from personal experience. You can learn the specific skills and strategies that will show you how to build a business that provides you both the time and the income you want. Many programs out there talk about how to make more sales, more, more income. I'm helping folks also get the time. How do you delegate decision make, uh, decisions to employees? How do you go about these things we're talking about today? How do you get this? How do you figure out what's in it for them? So learn exactly where you should focus your energy now based on where your business is to make the most amount of progress. Learn a step-by-step actionable plan to overcome every employee challenge you're facing right now. And I can nearly guarantee it's less expensive and less time-consuming than you think. I, I can almost, I, like 99%, I can't always guarantee it's, it's less than you think it is money-wise and it's less time than you think it is for sure. So to see what it's all about, see if it's a good fit for you, book a complimentary, no pressure call with me. I'm not a high pressure sales guy. Just go to, to uh, connectingwithbrian.com. That's connectingwithbrian.com. That'll take you to link right to my calendar. We'll jump on a Zoom call. I'll explain it, give you the pricing, tell you how it works. If it's for you, awesome. We'll move forward. If it's not, no big deal. You can keep listening to this free podcast. Anyhow, there's four main things I talked about today that I have seen make a, make a note, uh, noticeable difference, both personally with others I work with. First one is stop talking with condensed, soft, non-specific, and meaningless language. Make it an actionable verb. I don't talk about safety. In this context today, I did because many of you use the word safety. In my company, I don't talk about safety. I talk about accident prevention, period, end of story. There's no safety unless I'm reading something. Rather than speaking something like data protection or information security, I might say, Actively protect uh, client information or prevent potential data exposure, guard against confidentiality breaches, like whatever makes sense for you. You'll know the right words. Just make it a verb. And don't worry about getting it down to one or two words. Make it meaningful, not short. Instead of saying something like, we need to think about how important our reputation is, I would say we need to actively avoid reputational harm. That has a whole different feel to it than thinking about how important our reputation is. I think the more generic and soft our language, the less likely our words are going to resonate with them. 
And if our words not resonate, they're not going to take action, period. Next thing is we got to find out they really know what the liabilities, risks, and safety concerns are and how important they are. Again, I'm not saying, have you mentioned it? I'm not asking if you've had to fire somebody about it. I'm asking if your employees know what they are top of mind without you prompting. If I called your employees today and said, name the most critical things you do, would they even mention the risks, safety concerns, or liabilities to keep you awake at night? Or would they, like most employees would, tell me that the most important thing they do is produce revenue, great sales, customer service, workmanship, all that stuff. Again, they can mention those things too. Those things are important. But if we want them to take this risk stuff seriously, they have to talk about it in the same with the same kind of weight, they have to give it the same weight as they talk about their uh, the trade or craft. In almost all cases, when I ask business owners this question, their, their answer is one of two. Just flat acknowledging, nope, they wouldn't do that if you called them. Or I'm not really sure. In either case, we know we, they don't got it yet. So my response is, you know, if, we, if we're not sure that they, they got it, you know, they don't know that avoiding this risk is one of the most important things that they're responsible for. How could they possibly be taking it as seriously as you would like? Again, check out episode 27 of this podcast called Primary Functions. I go into way more details about the short list of mo- most important things we do. Uh, and this would apply to however many different significant risks your company has. If you have three, then we got to do this with three things. If you only have two, that's great. If you have seven, you got some work to do. Most of us have a few, you know, one to three. Most of us have one to three. I think there's a direct relationship between how fluent employees are in discussing these risks without prompting from you or anyone else and how likely they are to work in a way that will actively avoid these risks. If you have three, you got to be drilling through educating and drilling, educating and training on those until every employee could at the drop of a hat without any help walking in the hall, you point them and say, what's the most important things we do. They got to be able to name these risks and they get, and why they matter. If they can't do that, they don't quite got it yet. Can they explain their own words using real-life situations applicable to their day-to-day jobs, specific actions they take or don't take, which specifically address the risk, concern, or liability you want them to avoid or prevent? Again, for me, talking about these things in a theoretical manner did not resonate. They just didn't connect the dots. They thought I was talking about something else. I'm just, I've learned that. Especially early on when we're having to make significant corrections in behaviors and actions to avoid the risk or safety concern. Can they give specific examples of instances where instead of doing what they used to, they now choose a different action? Again, for me, those devil or angel conversations led to meaningful conversations where they would talk about how they were consciously changing their behavior and making better choices. And if they can't do that, you have zero evidence that they are. If they can't articulate how they're making changes, you have zero evidence that they are. It's a key thing to pay attention to, I think. And how they could, uh, uh, they would also begin to see how, the, how it would benefit them by not taking that risk and how they felt better and they and more prideful in some cases about like really happy about their workmanship and and their their role as a as a uh, a person who considered this risk thing as part of their workmanship I guess is a better way to say it. So in many cases, looking back now, employees in those moments where I had those kind of devil or angel conversations that led to and, and where they would explain uh, specifically, here's what I was doing differently, and they could see our reaction like we were really genuinely happy that they were doing this. They, for, for maybe the first time, connected the dots that like this really matters. Avoiding this risk is as important or more important than more production, more sales, more money. I don't think some of them really believe that until we had those conversations. And the last one is what's in it for them to get on board with this? What would change their thinking from this is a burden or a pain in my butt? I wish I didn't have to hear about it again, or I have to do this, or I just got to avoid making con- eye contact with the boss when he's yelling about it, or the boss is going to really chew me out. If I screw up, she's going to let me have it. To 
thinking things like, I want to do this. I want to get this right. Part of me assessing my overall performance and my overall competence in my field is how well I do this, avoiding this risk. I know for many that's not popular. It feels much better to say they should just care. They should just do the right thing. They should, they should, they should. You've heard me talk about this before. The word should should not be in our, (laughs) the word should ought to be removed from our our, uh, vocabulary. And I guess ought to maybe as well. (laughs) Anyhow, I get it. You want to take that approach. And if you're, but if you are and you're getting the results you want, fine. I'm not saying change anything that's working. What I'm saying is if you're not getting the results you want and you do need to make improvement, this is one of those ways. If we can figure out what's in it for them, why they would want to do this, our life is going to be a lot easier. At least in my experience, you know, helping them connect the dots on why they should want to do this and let them make decisions based on wanting to be successful rather than avoiding me and lying and telling me it's happening when it's really not just so much easier. And, and, and me trying to force them to do something I'm not even there to see. I'm like, I'm not even around when they're making these decisions. They're out in the field and I'm 50 miles away. Like, good luck with that, right? And again, I'm not saying we don't hold them accountable. Of course we do. I'm just saying the more they want to do something, the less we have to make them, which means we're likely to be more successful and I can rest easier and I can focus on other things like running the company. Novel idea, right? <laughs> we can focus on how we're going to grow the company instead of how we're going to keep people from texting and driving or, or you know, cutting corners that, that put customers' data at serious risk or whatever it is. So how do we figure out what's in it for them? Again, too much to talk about in this in this short format here. Um, first thing is get them to a place where their self-evaluation of their performance factors in how avoiding this risk or liability, you know, how they're doing that, how well they're doing that should be part of their intuitive self-assessment. So again, when you ask your star carpet cleaner to evaluate their performance without any prompting from you, can they intuitively mention their lack of vehicle accidents or lack of property damage? as one of the criteria for them being an all-star employee. If they don't connect the dots on that, they're not quite there. And lastly, again, if we're not sure what's in it for them, we can just ask them and just start the conversation and it will lead us somewhere that will be meaningful. Just have to stick to it. Okay, so don't forget, uh, don't miss your opportunity, last opportunity of 2022 to join our My Success Works program where you can, along with other business owners, learn and implement proven life, real life solutions for the challenges you're facing today. To see what it's all about and see if it's a good fit for you, book a complimentary, no pressure call with me at connectingwithbrian.com. That's connectingwithbrian.com. That'll take you to my calendar. Also, um, thank you for listening, of course. Uh, I forget to say that sometimes as much as I should. I really do appreciate you guys taking the time to, to tune in. And I really want to help as many people as possible. So share this podcast with a friend or a colleague who's a business owner in the service industry. Give us a rating review if you haven't had a chance yet. You can spare a couple minutes, especially on Spotify. Could you use some help on uh, ratings and reviews on Spotify? That would be awesome. And uh, that's it for this week, and I'll see you all next week. <laughs>